Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. Are you ready to get into the Word today? Awesome. Well, and to give you some context, just in case, I'm not sure if it's your first time here or not. And so we have a vision phrase for the year. And what we said was that in 2022, as a church, we were going to go into the into the cloud. Now, if you didn't know, saying that this year we were going to go into the cloud, what does that mean? I was referencing a story in the book of Exodus where Moses, who's the one who wrote the first five books of the Bible, he goes up a mountain and into a cloud. And in that cloud, three of the years happen. Number one, he gets to see God face to face. He speaks to the Lord. And so we said, this is going to be the year we get to know God like we've never known him before. And I still believe that to be true. The second thing we said is that when he got into the cloud, he couldn't really see where he was going. And so this is the year that we go into the unknown. And I did my whole Elsa impression. I don't know if you remember that or not, into the unknown. And then we said the third thing that we think is going to happen this year, we believe, is that we are going to have to leave some things behind to get where God wants us to go. And uh, we're going to lean into those three aspects of the vision throughout the entire year. That's not something we said in January and we left. We're going to keep coming back to that. And today, I'd like to lean into the idea of going into uncertainty and into the unknown a little more. So if you have a Bible, you can open up the Bible to the first book in the Bible, Genesis chapter 12, verses one through three. If you don't have it, it'll be on the screen behind me. And it goes like this. The Lord said to Abram, Abram is Abraham before he became Abraham. God sometimes gives different names to people at certain moments of their life. Because sometimes when you meet Jesus, how many people know he doesn't just change you, like you feel like a whole different person after he meets you. And so Abram turned to Abraham, because that'll happen when you meet God. You feel like a whole different person. He told Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will. Someone say, I will will show you, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great and you will be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. That's a whole lot of wills, whole lot of wills. And I think oftentimes we get jealous when we read stories of certain people in the Bible, like they had some kind of special connection that we can't have. And when I look at those promises, sometimes I, I feel that way. I wish God made those promises over me. I mean, that's just lucky. He just has a special love for Abraham and, and I'll never have that special love for me. But when I see those promises, I also see, listen, that those promises are connected to something that Abraham had to do. It said, go from your country, your people, your father's household to the land I what? will show you. So, so Abraham had to be willing to go somewhere that he did not know where he was going in order for God to do what God said. He, sometimes God's will is connected to your will. <sighs> Maybe that's why they call it. Now, one thing I love about God is that oftentimes he will do things even when we are obedience and willingness to do what God said. And uh, this is an example, by the way, of something that God often does in our lives. God will often, catch this, give us a promise with no address. He told, he told Abraham, I will do this. I will do this. I will do this. And Abraham said, cool. Where do I go to get it started? He said, I'll show you later. Sometimes you got to be willing to receive a promise with no address. 
And if you're willing to step out, God can do amazing, amazing things. This aspect of Abraham's faith is expounded upon in the book of Hebrews. As we get to chapter 11 in the book of Hebrews, which we'll put on the screen now, you see what was happening in reverse. Because sometimes things don't make sense in the moment. You got to look back at them for them to kind of make sense. And so this is now the New Testament looking back at Abraham's decision. And it is what we thought it was. It was a step of faith to go somewhere. And we didn't even know where he was going. Now, faith is the confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though, I love this, he did not know where he was going. The topic for today's talk is you'll know it when you get there. Come on, somebody, that's good. You'll know it when you get there. Mm, you'll know it when you get there. Oftentimes at Journey Church, we will preach in series. Those are like big ideas and concepts we like to spend a lot of weeks on to encourage you, like we did with our Love, Sex, and Marriage series in Tumasee. Every once in a while, we like to do standalone sermons, and that's what we're going to be in for the next three weeks before we go into our next series. And I honestly, I love standalone sermons because they give you an opportunity, give me an opportunity and you an opportunity to hear really what's on my heart. Like I just recently took up baking and I told my dad, hey, I want to, you know, I want to bake for you for Christmas. What do you want? And he said, I want a cherry pie. And so I was like, cool, I'll go bake a cherry pie. I had no idea how to do it, but you know, YouTube. And so I went to my store and then I found out they didn't have cherries because cherries are only growing in cherry season and December is not cherry season. I don't know that. I'm not a farmer, okay? I don't know when, what season is, what happens there. And so I had to buy, you know, frozen cherries better if it was, if it was fresh, fresh fruit. And, uh, and, but I couldn't give it because it wasn't in season. What I love about standalone sermons, hear me, it allows me to serve to you what's in season in my life. The things that I'm walking through, the things that I'm going through, not that I'm whatever, but I just preach with a little more authenticity. I preach with a little more honesty because it's what I'm walking through. And here's what I found out over the many years of me doing this is that oftentimes what I'm going through is a lot of what people are going through in their lives. And so I, the season that I'm in right now that I want to share with you about honestly, that gives you a little bit of the why behind what I'm preaching is we had a very significant milestone happen this past week. Um, this past week, for those who are new to our church, we, didn't, we weren't always here. And this past week makes, if you believe it or not, one whole year that we've been in this building here at OLE, which is praising to God be the glory for that. Amazing. It's a miracle if you knew the entire story behind it. It's pretty cool. Um, at the same time, there was another milestone that was passed, and this one is not so great one. Um, when we got into the building, we signed a three-year lease with an option to renew for three years. And so technically, we should be able to be here until 2024. Uh, but because they had plans to demolish this building, if the developers were able to develop it, which they weren't, thank goodness. Um, but for the owners watching, maybe not thank goodness. I don't, I don't know. Um, <laughs> they had built into the contract a buyout from our lease. So uh, anytime after March 1st, anytime after March 1st, they could buy us out of our lease and we would have to go. And so this week was also March 1st. And so that, that, that deadline happened. And so now I don't want you to be freaked out. Like service will be here next Sunday. I'm pretty sure <laughs> it'll be here next Sunday. If they activate the buyout, we have six months to find a new home. So it's not like the next day the doors will be locked. We have six months to find a new home. 
But still, that really put me in a predicament, a situation, because I began to feel this stress and this weight and this anxiety of not having a place for us to worship and to call home and to reach our community. And so I just started praying and I was like, Lord, man, if you could just tell me what your plan is, then I could plan for your plan. I just, I'm not trying to overthrow the will of God. I, I want what you want. And if you let me know what you want, I will set life up to do, be what you want. Do you want us here? I'll invest here. Do you want us somewhere else? We'll start saving. And, and the Lord gave me a sentence that, that both <laughs> the life of Abraham, which we'll study, <laughs> JJ, uh, you'll know it when you get there. <laughs> I said, no, Lord, that sounds like a little too late. I think at that, <laughs> I don't want to be homeless on the street and be like, well, I guess was, this was his will, man. <laughs> I know it now, you know. <laughs> Something, can we be honest? Can we keep it 100? Some things we need to know in advance uh, before we're homeless on the street. And so I said, Lord, I think I need to know now. And he said, no, you'll know it when you get there. And as I began to meditate on that, really, which is a promise. It's not even just a sentence, it's a promise. It's a biblical principle of faith. I went from discouragement to encouragement. I was encouraged. This is a message for anyone. Listen, this is how you know this message is for you. If you've got questions, but no answers. Maybe you are someone who is dating right now and you're really asking yourself, hey, is the person that I'm with, are they it? Are they the one? And you're asking the Lord, Lord, and I really would appreciate you telling me that now if they are or are not, because I'm not trying to be in this relationship for a year or two only to find out then that this is not the person that you have for me. If you could just let me know now, you would save me a bunch of time, Lord. Let me know now. And, I've, and I hate to tell you what God told me, but I think the answer to your question is, you'll know it. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, I think there's a single person maybe who's got a question. They're like, Lord, I'm not even trying to know if this person is it. I just want to know if this person exists. Because you know what, Lord, if this does, a person doesn't exist, listen, you're not just going to save me time. You'll save me therapy, Lord. Because right now, I'm trying to figure out what's wrong with me. But if I, can, if I know that it's your will that I'd be single, then I could save the money on therapy and I'd just be cool. I could delete all the dating apps today, Lord. If you would just tell me this is what you want for my life. I, and I could move on and it would be great. Could you tell me that now, though, so you could save me all of this time, energy, therapy? I think God's answer to you is you'll know it. Yeah, this is a message for anyone who has dreams but no direction. You can see the book in your heart, the book that you're supposed to write, the book that's supposed to impact people's lives, but you can't see the agent who's supposed to take the book and actually make it come to pass. And even if you had the agent, you wouldn't be able to give that agent any papers of your book because you don't have a book. You got a dream right now. You don't got pages. You don't got paragraphs. You don't got a title. You don't even know if it's paperback, hardback, or ebook. You just got a book. And you got no direction. This is for the person who's got a business in their heart, a dream, but no money to start it. You barely got enough money to start your car. This is for the person who's got a ministry, but no platform from which to proclaim their message. And where, oh God, am I going to begin? Where am I going to start? This is a message for anyone who has deadlines, but no start dates. 
who can see the finish line getting closer and closer, but they haven't really started their race yet. This is for anyone who, maybe there's a woman here today, a, a, a wife here today, who has been praying to get pregnant, but the doctor has told you that there is this thing called a biological clock, and you've been trying for months, years, and it hasn't happened, and although you should be counting down the days to your child's birth, you're counting down the days of infertility until the days of infertility, and now you're wondering, well, do I adopt? Do I have faith and hold it out? Lord, if you could just tell me now, then I'll know what to do, and I can relieve myself from the stress of and the anxiety of wondering and worrying. And I think God's message for you is you'll know it. I'm talking to anyone who has needs but no resources, somebody who would love to buy a house, but buying a house in Florida today is impossible, or at least it seems or feels impossible. I was talking to a staff member of mine. I said, when are you, gonna, uh, when are you guys going to buy a house? And, and the wife was like, well, if I get a job, here's what can happen, and I, give, and I save the entire salary for two years, I'll have enough for the down payment. And I was like, that's what we're living at right now. Anybody trying to get a house right now? You know what that's like? Looking, it's not easy. And you have no idea how you're going to be able to get into one. And you need it because your family's growing. Lord, how are you going to do this in my life? I need to know how you're going to do it, when you're going to do it. And I believe God's answer to you today is you'll know it. And if I haven't caught you yet, if there's anyone today who maybe has a big decision to make, which means you also have a big chance to take, You don't know how it's going to turn out, where it's going to lead you, when you should take it, or even if you should take it. I want you to know God heard your prayers. And his answer is, you'll know it when you get there. (laughs) Yeah, I know it's hard to clap. And, and I know that this message is not the most encouraging or the most exciting message for where you're in right now. And I think there's a couple reasons why that is, three reasons. Number one, because as human beings, hear me, we think in forward motion, but God thinks in reverse engineering. We think in forward motion. We think about moving. We think about getting there. But God is less concerned about getting there than he is who you are when you get there. He's less concerned about going and he's more concerned about your becoming. He wants to use the journey to do things in you before you even get to the place that you want. We, I find that as humans, we are very quite often like destination driven, but I have found at the same time that God is often journey focused. So like when I had a toy and I was younger, I had these toys that it was like a motorcycle that you would click back, click, 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 and then you'd let go, and then it would drive forward. Anybody know these things I'm talking about? Okay, good. I know I'm aging myself a little bit. The, the, the journey youth is like, y'all didn't have electricity back then? Like, we had electricity, just couldn't afford the electrical toys. So you, it was a black G.I. Joe one, and you could a motorcycle, and you would click it back, and then you let go, and it would go, and one day that thing broke, and I remember I was going to throw it out in the garbage because it stopped moving, and I thought because it stopped moving, it wasn't working, that it was trash, but my dad, who had a little bit of background of engineering and mechanical stuff, he would always open it up, and he would look at the gears, and he would put the right gears in the right place because he knew what gears the toy needed to get where it had to go. I'm just trying to tell somebody, don't be discouraged if you feel like life has stalled. Sometimes it's not broken. Sometimes God has got you in one place so that he can get the right pieces in the place so that you can 
can get to where you want to get to because he knows how it all works together. It feels like you're not moving. It feels like you're delayed, but God is doing things on the inside of you. And so, for example, if, you're, if financially things begin to get tight, your retirement date looks a little further away because now you're saving less for retirement. But what you don't understand is that the, the decrease in your income is, is forcing you to develop the discipline of spending less. Because you're not making more money, you have to now learn how to spend less, which you're going to need when you get into retirement. Because when you get into retirement, you no longer have a job. So you got to live off of all the money that you've been saving. And if you have not developed the discipline to spend less when you get retired, then you're not going to be able to be retired. Very, you're going to be at Walmart. <laughs> Saying hi to people because you didn't manage your... your your retirement for no knock at those who work on I'm grateful for you. I'm just saying you got to understand how the way God thinks. He put, he put you in the season he had to put you in so that you can have the peace in you to survive in the next thing. We think forward. God thought backwards. He saw you in retirement and then went all the way back here and put the things in your life that you would need to get there. And then when you don't have money, you know what else you do, right? You start praying. Come on, I will, I have a, I, I will bet $1,000. I don't have $1,000, but I will bet... As it happens to me, whenever the bank account goes low, my prayer life goes high. Come on, somebody. How many people know it's true? Atheists will pray to God when they got bills to pay. Atheists will lift up the name of the Lord, you know? Come to church when, when life isn't going, going well. Here's the other thing that's happening inside of you. Because you don't have many material things to hang your hat on, now you have to develop a desperation for the Lord. So now you're in retirement and you've got, you've got the discipline to spend less, but you've also got a desperation for the Lord, which you'll need because now that you're retired, you no longer have quote unquote purpose because you no longer have the job that you used to identify with. So now, but because you developed the desperation for the Lord, now you're in retirement, still being able to seek the Lord, still finding purpose in his presence, still being able to get connected into your local church, still serving on a team, leading a small group because God knew what you would need back then. I'm telling you that God is already in your future and he is putting and arranging the pieces in you today to have what you need to survive in that season. We think in forward motion, God thinks in reverse engineering. God values the journey more than he does the destination. We want to just get there, but God owns the board and he makes the rules. Imagine that board game that you try to get to the end. God could just take the piece and drop it because he owns the board. He's not worried about the destination. He can get you there fast. He's worried about who you become when you get there. Because if you're not the right person when you get there, you won't be able to sustain the place where he's placed you. Number two, the reason why we don't like that answer <laughs> is because as human beings, hear me, we believe what we see, but God wants you to believe what he said. God wants you to believe what he said. Sometimes we can't see where we're going or how we're going to get there, but God wants you to get to the place in your life where you go, hey, but if he said it, I believe it. If he said it, I believe it. I understand, though, why you are that way, because I am that way. This is when he defines human beings, a metaphor, if you will. It's a term. It's in the Old Testament and the New Testament. God calls us sheep. And it really is a term of endearment. It's a term of endearment and a term of indictment. But it is a term of endearment because back then in the biblical times, a sheep would be like a puppy. You know how we love puppies and they're so cute. And, oh, you boy, you puppy. When God calls you a sheep, he's talking about that. Like, would you I love you so much? Like, you know, I was uh, coming back um, from the gym 
uh, the other day. No need to mention the gym. I guess I'm kind of humble bragging. I was at the gym the other day. And I was driving out of the gym and I was passing a, a pet store that's in the same shopping plaza. And I saw this big dude. He was big and he was older. He was like a healthy being and he had a little chihuahua. And I had my window down because it was hot. And he was talking to his chihuahua. And I could hear, he was so loud. I could hear him in my car. He had this little tiny chihuahua. And he was like, hey, how are you doing, little guy? Did you like your haircut? Well, you needed the haircut. I, I know. I know you didn't like it, but you had to get it done. When we get home, I've got a treat waiting for you because you did so good. Because I just love you so much. And I'm just stopped at the stop sign as he's walking across me. I'm just like, like... Why are you doing with that little dog? That's so silly. That's so dumb. That's so silly. But you know what? It's just as silly and dumb as God loving a little human. What? That God, God in his infiniteness and his bigness and his amazingness has humans in his hand. And he goes, oh, I love you so much. I gave my only son on the cross to die for you. And everything that you need in life, I'm there. I'm Jehovah Jireh and I'm Jehovah Rapha and I'm Jehovah Shalom. And maybe that's why David said, who is man? Who is man that you should think of us? Who is man that you would love us? Who is man that you would trade your son for my life? Who am I that you think about me? Who am I that you love me? Please understand, you're a sheep in the hands of God. It makes no sense that he talks to you the way he does and he blows kisses the way he does and he gives you your haircuts and puts the food in the bowl. You're nothing, but to him, you're everything. Silly. We're here today and gone tomorrow, yet God embraces us. It's crazy, but it's also a term of indictment. Because sheep, well, sheep are not the brightest animals. Their brain is very small. Uh, and their vision, we want to talk about, you know, going by what God said and not what you see. Their vision is horrendous. Sheep have the eyes on the side of their head, not on the front. Because we keep looking to the left and the right of us instead of where we're headed. Comparing with him and with her and what they got and what she got and all that. Uh, but the thing you need to know about sheep, sheep can barely see 20 feet ahead of them, barely. And even at that, it's fuzzy. I don't know how they know all this about sheep, but it's science. You can Google it. <laughs> A sheep can barely see 20 feet ahead. But you know how good its hearing is? It can hear 2.3 miles away. Because a sheep wasn't built to walk by sight. A sheep was built to hear. God says, I understand why you struggle so much with my word because you were not created to live by what you see. You were created to live by what I say. I, I get it. I get it. I'm, the, I'm like this. I don't know if you're like me, but when I'm in my car and I'm lost and I need to know where I'm going and the music's loud. Anybody else do it? My wife's like, do you know where you're going? I'm like, I'm going to figure it out. And she'll look at me and she'll be like, what does the music have to do with what you're seeing? I'm like, I don't know, but it helps me focus better. Just lower the music. I can't say anything I do. It's kind of... <laughs> does it, you'll just make me feel less weird, which I would peep about their life or, or they're asking me for my help. A lot of times when they're talking, I will close my eyes. So if you want to tell me something deep about you, I'll be like... Does anybody else do that? It's just me. Stop, because it's weird. So, but I can't, because it's how I focus. So now what I do is I just tell people in advance what I'm talking, I say, hey, heads up. I'm gonna close my eyes while you're talking. And it's just, it helps me hear, hear better. And the reason, why, the reason why I have to close my eyes, listen, I don't, I don't want what I'm seeing to get in the way of what you're saying. 
Are you ready? Hey, this is why we close our eyes when we pray. Because I don't want what I'm seeing to get in the way of what God's saying. I know my life doesn't look blessed right now, so I'm gonna close my eyes. But if you say you are my provider, then I'm gonna go by what you said instead of going by what I see. I don't know, I, feel, I don't feel very righteous right now. I'm looking at the sin I just did 20 minutes ago. But if you said the righteous live by faith and not by sight, then I'm gonna live by what you said about me and not what I see in my life. Yeah, I gotta close my eyes because so many times the thing I'm asking God for are not the things that I have. So I can't let what I'm seeing get in the way of what God's saying. This is why when you wake up, the very first thing you need to do when you wake up is read your Bible. Before you find out what's going on with Russia and Ukraine. Before, because if not, you're gonna let what you see compromise what God said. When you really need to get what God said to be the foundation of what you see. This is why you need to get in your Bible before you get on TikTok. You need to get in your Bible before you get on Twitter. You need to get in your Bible before you check the ESPN app and your favorite team lost and now you're depressed. You need to build your life on what God said and not on what you see. Start here, start here. Once you get the foundation going, then go. I don't know if you ever heard a song early in the morning and then throughout the day. You know what I'm saying? My wife and I watched West Side Story yesterday for the first time, only 30 minutes of it because we had to get to bed. But we heard enough, the jet song. When you're a jet, you're a jet on the wind. The first cigarette to your left side and day. I don't know the rest of it, but all I know is all, because it was the last thing I heard before I went to bed. You know, this is why I pray in the morning and at night throughout the day. God is good. Your love in your head, good ones, to drown out what the enemy's trying to show you. Lastly, I think the reason, so God loves the journey because the journey builds that trust between us and the Father's voice. And lastly, I think one of the reasons why we, we hate not knowing where we're going and when God is gonna reveal it is because we yearn for direction, but God yearns for connection. We yearn for direction, but God yearns for connection. Um, I remember when Liz and I were first dating, I would, uh, try to appear older than I actually was because Liz is five years my senior. And I'll never forget when I told her how old I was for the first time, I said, was that, is that gonna be a problem? And she said, let me think about it. <laughs> then, she, then she called me back later. She said, no, it's not a problem. But that always made me feel like I can't appear young. I cannot be young. I need to be older and look older. And so when we would go places that I've never been before, I had to make her feel like I knew how to get there. But back then we didn't have GPS on the phone like y'all do today, Journey Youth. And we didn't have, we, we had this thing called MapQuest and you, we would put in the directions and then you would print it out. Then you had to follow like, and then I think about it now, how did we even do that? Like, did we like spatially 0.2 miles? All right, I don't, this feels like 0.2 miles. Let's turn, let's turn now. How did we even do that? So, but, but I also couldn't let her see the directions in the car because then she would know, oh, see, this young kid doesn't know where he's going. So what I would have to do is, listen, that was a true story. I would memorize, I would try and memorize every turn. So while she's talking to me, I'm like, 0.2 miles, turn right. Yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. I'm in the road, then the left, and then in my head, every step, trying to get it. And then I would kind of hide the directions in the back. And, we, and got, it didn't work, it didn't work. Every time we would go on these dates, we would get lost. But I could never tell her I was lost because then I would go back to, you know, being young and, and being a jit and just not, I didn't want her to think that. 
So, 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 but she had a great sense of direction and she knew Tampa, which is where we were at the time. So whenever we would go somewhere and it wasn't the way to get there, she would very kindly be like, um, is this the way that we're supposed to go? Even though she knew it wasn't. And I would always tell her the same thing every time. Remember what I would say? What I would say? I said, yes, this is the scenic route. And one of the great things about taking the scenic route was it gave us more time in the car, which I would tell her anyway. I would say, listen, relax anyway, because the point of the date is not to get where we're going. The point of the date is getting to know each other more. What if the reason why God hasn't taken you to the place that you wanted to go to yet is because he's taking advantage of y'all time in the car? And he said, I know you want to get there. I know you want to get there, but the point of life is not getting there. The point of life is getting to know me more on the way there. And I knew, and I knew, and I knew if I got you to the place of financial blessing, you would hop out the car so quick, you'd leave me behind. If I took you to him so fast, if I took you to her so fast, you would hop out of the car and walk away. I need you in the car long enough that you fall in love with me to take me wherever you go in life. So if it feels like you're, you're a ways away, just know what's happening in the journey is your relationship with Christ is being developed and secure. Amen. I got three more points and seven minutes left. Ain't going to happen. The journey, here's what God wants me to do for you today. He wants me to help you relieve the anxiety of arriving and receive the peace of being. And so he, I'll tell you really quickly three things he, he wants you to know. He tells you these. Number one, he says, you'll have what you need when you get there. You'll have what you need when you get there. I know you think you need it now. God says, you'll have what you need when you get there. This theme of when you get there follows Abraham all through his life. First, you see it here on his way to the promised land. Second, you see it with his son, Isaac. We're going to read very quickly. Genesis chapter 22, verse 1. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain. I will show you. Now, that doesn't sound like God. I'll explain that in a little bit. But early the next morning, Abraham got up. I love that it said early. Oftentimes when God asks us to do things that we don't want to do, we'll procrastinate and we'll wait and we'll hope that he changes his mind. But the Bible says Abraham got up early in the morning because Abraham knows that delayed obedience is disobedience. Abraham got up and loaded his donkey, took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. And on the third day, now you got to understand why the whole sacrifice thing is taking place, even though it's not going to happen. Although I shouldn't have spoiled the spoiler for you in case you didn't know how it ends. <laughs> See how I'm closing my eyes? Because I'm focused right now. And the third day, because the third day is actually God reverse engineering the story of salvation. Isaac, Abraham's son, is a foreshadow of Christ who comes back from the dead on the third day. And so God is putting everything together to, to reverse so that when, when it happens with Jesus, he'll be able to look back at Abraham and be like, look how I played it all out. Because we're thinking forward motion. God's thinking reverse engineering. Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance he said to his servant stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there we will worship and we will come back to you how about that faith God said sacrifice your child he goes I know that you said sacrifice but in the chapter before you told me that he would be the father of all of the descendants that would change the world so if you said it you'll do it so he looked at his servants we will worship and what now I will come back we will come back oh my god 
Verse six, Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac and Isaac carried the wood. Are you seeing it? The foreshadow of Jesus as the son carries the wood up the hill and placed it on his son Isaac and himself carried the fire and the knife as the two of them went on together. Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, father, yes, my son, uh, the fire and the wood are here, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham, he's like, he's like telling the truth, but also lying. Look at verse eight. God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. You know what he told Isaac? He said, you'll have it when you get there. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took his knife to slay his son. Verse 11, but the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven as the knife is coming down slowly. Abraham, Abraham. Here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy. Don't do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God. That word fear theologically also means love. So what God is telling him, I know this seemed like a needless journey, but I was trying to develop in you the connection. So this right here, what this process did is it, it connected us more because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Then Abraham looked up and there in the thicket, he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram, sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide or Jehovah Jireh. Yahweh Jireh. And to this day, it is said, now this became a saying in all of Israel, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Or in other words, you will have what you need when you get there. Not before you get there, not on the way there, but when you get there. I know you wish you had it now, but God's not going to give it to you now. God's going to give it to you when you get there. And if you don't have it yet, that only means one of two things. Listen to me. If you don't have it yet, that means you don't need it yet. That means you don't need it yet. I, uh, in December, we tried to raise $1.2 million to buy out this building. Y'all remember Legacy Sunday? I didn't tell you how much money we raised. I'm not ashamed of it. We didn't hit our goal. And honestly, it was the biggest legacy offering we've ever had. We raised $250,000 as a church, which I'm super proud of. Yeah, you can give God some praise for that. Because we were able to give a portion of that to our elementary school. We bought them a brand new computer lab. We were able to help out missionaries all over the world, build hospitals, orphanages, schools, build um, handicap accessible ramps uh, in South America. We did a bunch of stuff. So even out of the 250,000, we, we gave a lot of that away. Um, and, but I know now, I know now why we didn't get the money that we needed that day, because we didn't need it. Because the building was not for sale. Um, but now the developers of this property, that thing fell through, which is another miracle in of itself because of the county commissioners and a vote. And it was crazy how God did that. And, and so, so now I told our realtor, I said, hey, I know that the developer thing fell through. I said, um, call him and, and ask him if it's for sale and, and how much. And then our realtor got back to us and he said, well, do you, do you have the down payment yet? <laughs> I said, no. But if you can get us into a position where we need it. <laughs> I know my God. And I know that if you can get us into 
a position where we need it, we'll have it if we need it. And if we lose the building, God's glory will still take over in this area because that would mean that we didn't need it. And if we didn't need it, then we didn't have it. I'm just trying to encourage somebody who is in a season where they don't feel like you don't have what you need. God would never give you a mission and not give you the resources to accomplish your mission. You can succeed right now with everything that you have. Right now, you have everything that you need. You don't need more money, you don't need more people, you don't need more support, you don't need more encouragement, you don't need more words. You got everything you need right now. And if you don't have it, it's because you don't need it. Because you don't need it. Somebody say, I have everything I need for where I am right now. And here's the second part. If you don't have it yet, it's because you're not there yet. You're not there yet. You're not there yet. Some people... When Abraham got to the top of the mountain, you know, he didn't just get to a place on the mountain, he got to a place in life. And he got to a place in life where the gift was no longer as important as the giver. He got to a place in life where he thought, you know, I've been waiting my whole life for this son, Isaac, but I'd rather have God than have Isaac. That took time, but he finally got there. And then when he got there, God said, not only will I give you Isaac, but through Isaac, so much more is gonna happen. Your descendants will not be able to be numbered. They're gonna be so numerous but he had to get to that place. Oftentimes when I meet with single people in the lobby, y'all got no shame. Y'all just talk to me in the lobby, lay it all out. I don't care who's watching, who's looking. You have tears coming down your face and you'll ask me and you'll go, hey, I don't understand why God would not allow me to, why is God still making me single? And I don't get it because I go to church and I tithe and I read my Bible and I love him. He, what you're really saying is, and I look way better than them. And I don't understand how come that's not working because I'm fly and it doesn't matter. And I don't get it. And why, why, why? I'm so mad at God. Why would he put me in this situation in life? And I'm gonna tell you why, you ready? Because of that right there. Because of that right there. Because you're not there yet mentally. You're not there at the place in life where the giver means more than the gift. You still got God's goodness tied to what God does. But when you get to the place where whether he does it or not, he's still good and he's still king and he's still God, that's when God will bestow the blessing. But until you get there, you won't have what you need there. Tell people the day I found, the day me and Liz really got together was after three years, I hadn't been on one date. Three years, I was single for three. I had, the Bible talks about people who are called to being single. I had finally gotten to the point in life where I go, this might be my calling. I think I'm just gonna be single for the rest of my life. She said, JJ, this is the season that God's gonna bring your wife into your life. And I said, don't tell me that. Cause I just got here. See what I'm saying? I just got here. I just got to the place where I'm good. Don't get my hose back up. I just got here. She said, no, this is going to be the season. And the way that God put it together, it was like he had it. He was just waiting for me to get there to get it. But he had it waiting. The Bible says that the ram was caught in the thicket. Did you hear that? The ram was caught in the thicket. In other words, your promise isn't going anywhere. Your child isn't going anywhere. Your business isn't going anywhere. Your marriage isn't going anywhere. Your future, your destiny isn't going anywhere. Your promise is caught in the thicket. All you gotta do is do what God told you to do and keep doing what God told you to do. And one day, after enough steps in the right direction, as he shapes your heart and as he shapes your mind and as he shapes your spirit, you're gonna be there and it's gonna be there waiting for you. And all you did was trust it. And on that day, you'll look back and everything will 
to be the boss I need to be, to be the pastor I need to be, the husband I need to be. You didn't know it then, but you know it now. One day you'll know it when you when you get there. So here's what I want you to do today. If you would be so kind to stand all over this room as we close. Here's what I want you to do today. I want you to release the anxiety of there because the ram ain't going nowhere and receive the peace of here. Receive the peace of here. Receive the peace of here. Re release the anxiety of there and receive the peace of here. If this word was for you, would you extend your hands right now? Father, I thank you for every, everybody in this room today who's wrestling with the fear and the doubt and the anxiety and the worry of there. Maybe it's a loved one who's far from God, living a lifestyle that is crazy, Lord. Maybe it's a, a dream, a book, a, an album. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a child. Maybe it's a store. Maybe it's a church that you put in someone's heart to start, Lord God. And it just seems so unreal. It seems so impossible. Lord, we release the anxiety of there because the ram is in the thicket. It's not going anywhere, Lord God. And so today we receive the peace of here. Right now, I pray you receive God's peace. I pray over you right now, receive God's peace. Enjoy the journey. The journey is doing its job in your life. Enjoy the journey, enjoy the journey, enjoy the journey. Enjoy it, enjoy it, enjoy it. Receive the peace. He's working on you in the journey. Your trust is being developed in the journey. Your relationship is being developed in the journey. The pieces are being put in place in the journey right now. Receive it, receive it, receive it, receive it. I want to pray right now for anyone who is far from Christ. You don't have a relationship with Jesus. Let me tell you, you have no idea how you got here today in church, looking at your life with all of your craziness. God knew, and now you know. You knew it because you got here. You don't know it when you get there. That's what your mama said when she was praying for you. I know it. Your mama was praying. He'll know it when they get here. When they get there, every moment of your life has led to this one right here. And if you're ready to come back home to Jesus, every head bowed, every eye closed, on the count of three, I want you to raise your right hand. Jesus, I need you all over this room. I need you. Are you ready? You want to start fresh with him. All over this room, on three, you're ready to start a relationship with God. Everything in life led you to this moment. On three, raise your right hand. One, two, one, two, three. Right now, shoot your right hand up high. Nobody's looking, it's you and God. You're ready to come back home. You're ready to come back home. Online, go ahead and raise your hand. You're ready to come back, come back home. Keep your hand raised. I want everybody to pray this prayer with me. God, you had to take me through that to get me here so I can go there. I'm ready now. Forgive me for my past. Jesus Christ, I repent. I turn from my old life and I turn towards you. Lead me. Love me. I'm ready to follow. In Jesus' name I praise. Amen and amen. Come on, God, give God, give God a hand of praise. We hope you've enjoyed this message and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.